0: Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC.
1: It's my pleasure to welcome you to The Clark Howard Show, where our mission is to serve you and empower you to make better financial decisions in your life. Last week, I talked about employment during tough economic times or recession. Uh, You know, another thing many are grappling with right now is how do you ask for a raise with all this uncertainty, especially with the inflation we've had? I'm going to talk about that straight ahead. And later, something I hate is making a big time comeback. Credit card debt. So people are getting really nice raises now compared to historical. But inflation of late has gone way past the raises people are getting. Now, on the good news front, inflation is not going to stay at these crazy elevated rates. There are so many weird factors that combined into this ugly stew that led to higher prices in so many areas and These are, they did not turn out to be extremely temporary like I thought they'd be. They've been stubborn and stuck around, but inflation will get under control. But in the meantime, you've fallen behind year by year by year. Whatever raise you've gotten has not led you to being ahead. It's led you to being behind because the cost of living has gone up faster than the larger raises people have been receiving lately. So what do you do? Okay, so here's the dilemma. Employers are getting worried about what's going to happen with their profits, what's going to happen with their sales, and they're getting more nervous about overhead. They're getting more nervous about pay raises for people, filling positions and all that, as I talked about recently. So, this becomes more based on your personality and your personal situation. Because the reality is, for the last several years, the people who've been able to leapfrog and pay are people who left where they were working and went somewhere else. There are still a lot of employers Even in the midst of this nervousness about a slowdown in the economy, there are a lot of employers still trying to find more workers and offering what may be a meaningfully higher pay rate than where you are now. So this is where this gets hard, and I can't make the decision for you. You cannot go to your existing employer and say, hey, you know groceries are costing me more, rent's costing me more, gasoline's been costing me more, on and on and on, and say, so I need the inflation rate is whatever percent, I need that much of a raise. And the employer's going to say, well, that's really nice, our raise is whatever. They're not going to negotiate based on what... The cost of living is for you because everybody's in this same situation. So, only disloyalty allows you to leapfrog your paycheck. You have to be willing to go to work somewhere else. And so, this is where it gets hard, particularly if you're someone who doesn't like change and doesn't like enhanced risk because you know the story. You know the situation where you're working, but you also know the story of your wallet. And there's just not enough bills in it to pay the bills you got. So you got to assess it. Another employer who values your skills at this point in the marketplace more than your existing employer it comes with unknowns, so you're going to like working there. How secure that job is going to be. How secure the industry is that you would take that job in. You have to weigh these things. And know that life is not without risk. Every time you get in a car and start that car and drive down the road, you know there's a calculated risk of an accident, right? Life does not have certainty to it. So really think through the job you're in, how stable it is, how valuable you are to them, that if they do hit tough times in that business, how likely you are to survive layoffs there. If you're like, well, you know, things aren't as solid or certain here as I might like anyway. Then that's an automatic. You go out and test the waters. If that kind of thing doesn't freak you out anyway, you go out and you test the waters. Because it's just a fact, existing employers will not leapfrog your pay. You only get that if you're willing to go see what you can earn somewhere else. As possible you go see a better offer somewhere else and your existing employer may say, you know what, we love you, we need you, we don't want to lose you. What if we give you a promotion and we match their pay offer? That's a huge win for you because you didn't have to disrupt your life and you got more money. But you owe it to yourself. You owe it to yourself. If you're not getting enough money in that paycheck, to live the life that's comfortable for you, you got to go see what's out there, even at a time that there's more economic uncertainty, there's a higher possibility of a recession. You still need to go see what other people say you're worth versus where you are right now. Krista? This first
0: question is from Dan in Ohio. Do you have Are you a- going
1: to go test the waters or are you going to stay?
0: Oh, I'm staying. You're staying? Yeah. You'd have to drag me out of here.
1: Really? <laughs> well, you'd have to
0: fire me and then I'd have to leave. But yeah.
1: I thought I worked for you.
0: No way. Okay. No way. We work for we work for the audience, for the listener, right? That That's is true. That's what we really work for. Dan in Ohio is in a sad situation. He says, do you have any advice for choosing a divorce lawyer oh. or any tips when going through a divorce?
1: Dan, I mean, divorce is tough. It's hard emotionally. It's hard financially. And I know you've got all kinds of emotions. And I wish you the best. I hope you're getting good emotional support from friends who are aware of family. If you would benefit from it, seeing a counselor or therapist, would be really valuable. As far as finding a divorce lawyer, you got safety in numbers. I mean, more than half of marriages end in divorce. You got to know friends and family in the area who've been through a divorce and you can ask them about who they hired and were they happy with that person. And that helps you start to build a list of people for you to interview because you're interviewing them for a job and you want to see if their style meshes with yours, if they seem like the kind of person you would want representing you in a difficult circumstance, a difficult situation. I want to wish you the best no matter how tough things get emotionally through the process. I want you to know once it's done, life does get better again. But I do know that this will be a tough cycle you do go through. And best to you, And also to your estranged spouse.
0: This is from Chris in Georgia. We bought a house 12 years ago, lived in it for six years, and rented it to some friends for the remaining six years. We sold it back in January for a substantial gain. We put about $30,000 into it before we sold it. Our plan is to use the proceeds to help build our new house in Colorado. My understanding is that because we did not live in this house for two of the last five years, we will be liable for a pretty large capital gains tax. What percentage will this be, and is there a way to minimize this?
1: Okay, so first of all, this is actually a great problem to have because the value of the property has gone way, way, way up over the 12 years, and then you sold it with this huge gain. So you talk about the 30000 you put in it to sell it, but there's probably other money you spent over the years that will do what's called adjust the basis of the property, every dollar of eligible expense that you can find that you did over the years reduces the amount of the gain that is subject to capital gains. So the capital gains in rough figures is roughly 20%. So if you had a gain for every hundred thousand dollars, and gain that's roughly 20000 in tax. Just a, I'm just doing a round number for you, by the way. This would also be a year that it would be great for you to go sit down with a CPA who does tax or an enrolled agent and have them help you with how to develop a proper basis on that property and potentially reduce the total amount of tax that you would have to pay, because again, everything you did—you may have, uh, you know, replaced a furnace at one point, or you may have had to do a repair of the roof, or most anything you did, particularly any expense you had in the six years it was a rental. Those are especially expenses you may be able to use to adjust the basis and reduce the amount subject to tax. The expenses involved at the closing of selling the property will also help you reduce your net subject to tax. And expenses you had 12 years ago when you bought the property, there may be things in there that will reduce the basis, and that's why you want to talk with the CPA. So you're not eligible for the $500,000 exemption for a married couple So every dollar that you can pull off the table like this is going to be extra important as an extra dollar or extra 20 cents of each of those dollars that can go towards building your new home.
0: This is from Sherry in Virginia. Last year, we took the plunge and got solar panels. We have since collected the tax incentive and applied it to the balance. We are paying less than 1% interest, but it is obvious that it is structured to collect most of the interest in the early years of the loan. I was wondering if it's better to aggressively pay off this debt or just pay the monthly bill. If we sell our house in the next 10 years, would we likely benefit more from having them paid off or just passing that cost on to the next owner? The obvious benefit right now is that we have a fixed cost for this utility. While it would be nice to have no payment, we're not sure if paying it off will benefit us in the long run.
1: No, I mean, with with such a low carry cost and interest, you know, with it being a subsidized loan at less than 1%, You pay as agreed. The one thing I will tell you is if I were buying your house, let's say 10 years from now, I would require as part of the purchase that you pay off that loan prior to me taking possession of the property because I would be assuming a liability from you and I'm buying your home. I don't want to assume a liability coming with that home. So just be prepared that as part of your sale of the home, getting those panels paid off at that time would be a really smart thing to do. But to pay it off now, no benefit, no reason with such a low carry cost on that loan. And I hope that you're finding the solar panels net of the cost of paying the note are still saving you money every month, which they should. But then once the loan is paid off every month after that, It's like money falling out of the sky. It's just great. And my neighbors laugh because at our home in Florida, we get so much benefit from the solar panels. Our power bills are like nothing. And our neighbors who have not done solar are like so jealous. I'm getting a lot more questions now from people about. So tell me about what it was like putting up those solar panels. And it's great. Letting the sun be your own free power company once you have those installed. And coming up next, well, we got a problem in America. We did such a good job two years ago paying down credit card debt, it had fallen off a cliff. And now Americans have decided hey, life's short, let's charge up a zillion. And credit card debts at an all-time record high collectively is turning out to be a big problem for us individually as well. I want to talk about that. As the Federal Reserve raises the interest rates that it controls, what happens is there's a direct effect, typically one billing cycle later, on the interest rates on your credit cards. And people have been charging up like crazy lately, and it's leading to balances people can't pay. And most people, when they're asked about it in a survey, say, you know, I never worried about because I never expected to run a balance. The number of people who pay cards in full each and every month is a sliver of people with credit cards. A lot of people intend to use credit cards as a payment system, but either because of the expenses they're facing, because of life or because of inflation or something that happened medically or at work or whatever they're running up balances at these very high rates. The average interest rate, roughly around 18% now on credit cards. Nobody ever got rich paying Visa or MasterCard 18%. What happens is every month when you're making the payments, so much of what you're paying is going to interest and so little towards the balance. And I ask you to do something, And that's look at your monthly statement for each credit card. If you're you're not able to pay your balances in full and you're running these balances and you're actually only able to pay the minimums, there's a box on your statement. The paper statement required by law, or if you look online at an online statement, you'll see the box and it shows how long you'll be in debt not charging another dollar to that card ever, how long you'll be in debt just paying what the credit card company requires as a minimum. And usually the calculations will be 40 plus years. 40 plus years. That means in 2062, you're still paying for a charge that you made in 2022. That's freaky, isn't it? Think about what age you are now. Add 40 years to it. And how are you gonna what are you gonna look like? What do you I mean, think about what a grandparent looked like or something like that? Do you want to be that person looking in the mirror still paying for something you bought right now? No, you don't. So, this requires real thought, real discipline. And even if you're being really pinched financially, it's harder if you're being really pinched. But a lot of people running credit card debt are in that mushy middle where they're earning enough money that it's like crazy, I got all this debt. And so it does require that you come up with a method that works for you. Now I'll tell you, When I used to, on TV, I would do these sessions with couples where they were having real trouble in their lives as a couple and headed towards what looked like they could end up in separation or divorce because of fighting about money. And they were really desperate to try to deal with this tension in their lives. And what I found over and over again... Was that if people went to paying for everyday life with cash? Cash, I'm not talking a debit card. Cash. It was amazing how their finances would get under better control. That you take out a certain amount of cash on payday, and that cash had to stretch to next payday. It changes how you do things. One of the things we've lost with plastic of any kind is we've lost this sense of the finiteness of money, and so we get into a thing where it it becomes something we don't even have a sense of how much, how little's left because we just pulled out our phone, you know, and used Apple Pay or G Pay, or we pull out a piece of plastic or whatever, and we lose track of it. Cash is a truth serum and can get the spending that just kind of happens back under control. I want you to think about doing that. Now, again, we're talking about different segments of the market. We got people who are able to pay their balances in full every month. Then we got people who intend to pay them, but don't quite get it done. Then we have people that are wheezing financially. Going to all cash is probably not going to help with people who just don't have enough income flat out to deal with life's most basics. But the larger part of the market are people who are in that, what I call the mushy middle, and you can do it if you take on the discipline. There are people who can do it with like mint, you know, using mint as a budgeting tool, or you need a budget which is a great budgeting tool, better than Mint, but you got to pay for it. I find that for a lot of people, just using the cash method will bring about a change in your life and spending patterns that are it's so great, you'll be blown away. Krista?
0: Okay. Deb in Arizona says, I just heard the question about whether it's okay to give a driver's license number. I just applied for a target red card and an account at treasury direct for I bonds. And I had to give my driver's license number for both.
1: So Deb, this is um, a tool that more and more places are using because they don't know what to do about identity theft. And so they want your driver's license information. It's becoming Kind of like a national ID system, particularly with uh, real ID, you know, that star that's on a modern driver's license where you had to prove all this stuff that you are who you say you are. So people are now thinking of a driver's license as a national ID card, and that's why it's being asked for more and more. This
0: is from Kelly in Arizona. Hi, Clark. Now that Stockpile is charging either a monthly fee or a lifetime fee, is it still worth using? I would, of course, definitely choose the lifetime fee, which is 1995, in lieu of the monthly fee. I use it, per your recommendation, for my 13-year-old nephew to buy and hold stocks. You've been my go-to advisor since your show was on radio in the late 90s. Thank you for all you offer.
1: Well, Kelly, thank you so much for that. And Stockpile was something that, really seemed like a full free lunch, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. The way it worked is um, it was kind of like a rebate program that if you shopped at certain places, instead of being rebated cash or something like that, you would get a micro of a share of stock in a variety of companies. And so Stockpile was a no-brainer if you were willing to do the work because you were getting this stock and it was a free lunch just for shopping at these various places. Well, administratively, they couldn't make it work. And so now they're charging to anybody starting with it. It is, um, was it $50 a year? Uh, it's, yeah, $4.95 a month, I believe. $60 a year. Or for people that already have it, being able to pay the flat 20 bucks, the flat 20 will work out over time if you conscientiously use stockpile. Uh, paying the 60 a year, that's not going to work out. So I'd say for someone like yourself who's already in it, it would be worth paying the 20 and continuing. Otherwise, you can sell out your holdings, get the money, and be done.
0: This is from Gresh in Georgia. With all the different rewards for credit cards, cash back via Apple, gas, bonus card offers, etc., is that money taxed at the end of the year? I've gotten a 1099 from a credit card company that gave me $200 for opening up the account and fulfilling their terms. But the regular 1%, 2 or 3% cash back does add up, especially my Amazon store card at 5%. I've never seen an area to reconcile that money on my taxes. What do you think? Is it free?
1: It is free right now. I don't know how long that's going to be something that Congress doesn't get its sticky fingers on. But right now, like I've got the 2% cash back cards. That money just comes to me tax free. When you earn frequent flyer miles for whatever they're worth, uh, that comes to you tax free. So those rebates, if you will, by using particular credit card, they're yours. Now the thing about getting the 1099, a lot of the credit card companies are offering these bonuses if you open savings accounts with them. Those are subject to tax. And that could be what we're talking about here that Gresh is talking about rather than the credit card itself. And I get a lot of those offers. Have you been getting those Mm -hmm. where credit card company says, hey, you open savings account with us or open a checking account, we're going to give you $200, $500, whatever. That money is subject to tax like the interest you'd earn on the account that you're opening with them. And I want to thank you so much for joining us today. Remember, we are here to serve you with advice and information you can trust around the clock at Clark.com and deals you can trust at clarkdeals.com. I want to say something for a second about our deal site. So what you may not be aware of with deals posted on the internet, a lot of them are what are called advertorials. They're pay for play. People post them because they're getting paid to post them. That isn't what we do at Clark Deals. We post deals because we believe the things we're posting for you will not waste your time, and legitimately will save you money. And I'm really, really proud of both our team at Clark.com and our team at ClarkDeals.com. I hope we help you save money and make money every day of your life.